other. And so welcome to week one of this. Uh, right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes. You want to grab those and take it out and do some fill in the blanks. We want to say welcome to those of you watching the parent viewing room. That's a great place to go if you have little ones that get fussy during the service. We just kindly ask you to take them right out the back door and we'd have an usher there that can show you uh, where that room is, where you can watch the service live with us. Well, for the rest of our time together today, I just wanted to take a few minutes to share about one of the most important values that we have here at Riverway. We actually have nine of them, and today we're going to just talk about one. So for some of us, this is going to be brand new information, and others of you will serve as a great reminder of who God has called us to be as a church. But the value, I just want to jump right into it, is this, and it's the first filling in your notes, that we value small groups so that through relationships, no one does life alone. We value small groups that, so that through relationships, no one does life alone. Um, as I was preparing uh, for this talk, I came across this article uh, written by CNN that was uh, last year, 2017, and the article title was this, Study Links Social Media Use to Isolation. So that was so interesting because I think a lot of us already kind of know this, but when I saw this title, Study Links Social Media Use to isolation, it grabbed my attention. And I just want to read an excerpt from it for you. It says this, that one of the most deeply felt ironies of social media is that it's kind of a lie. The person we pretend to be is disconnected from the person that is. The bustling lives of those we like and scroll through are nothing more than curated alternate realities masking flaws barely different than our own. We don't need a study to know that, but new research published in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine reveals a deeper layer. Social media may not even be all that social. The study put together by researchers from the University of Pittsburgh reveals that increased social media use is linked to higher levels of perceived social isolation. Isn't that interesting? So this morning, we're going to collect everybody's phones. Everybody pass them down. We're going to collect them. No, we're not going to collect your phones. But... Right? We are living more and more of life alone. Wouldn't you agree with that, right? We are more isolated than we've ever been. And as, as I've been thinking about this, I had this great conversation with my buddy Pete, and he's here this morning. And Pete and I get together regularly to just talk about life and all of this. And so we were talking about this idea of connectedness and what it means to do life together. And we were even saying, like, even though, like, we sit down over coffee and, and, and we're talking about life, rarely do people carve out time for those kinds of relationships. Yet they're so important. And he gave me this illustration, and I thought it was so fascinating. He said, when you think back hundreds and thousands of years, all people had were the cosmos, right? That guided their life. Everybody looked to the stars and to the sun and the moon. It was their calendar. It was their clock. I mean, everything was the expanse of it. And then as technology and time has progressed, that has shrunk, and then it came down to, you know, our 100-acre farms, and that's just where everybody lived. Everybody lived on their 100 acres, and everybody did their farming, and that's where they lived their whole life, and then they died. And then as technology and time has passed further, now we've been reduced down to about a quarter acre worth our house with a job that we go to, and we punch in, and we punch out. And really what began as the cosmos for many of us has been reduced down to the screen size that is about four inches big. And we are living life very much through the lens of just what we see there, which isn't even real life. It's not engaging. It's not connecting. And so, at one point, your next villain, all of humanity depended on one another for survival. Now we are fighting just for humanity to engage again. Now we're fighting just for humanity to engage. When you think about then, way back then, they had to fight for survival, right? Everything they did, they either lived or they died by what they did or did not do. 
and that caused them to engage. It caused them to do life with other people. But now technology is so great that we can live isolated lives. And I really believe that technology has isolated us from one another uh, more than anything else in the history of mankind. And uh, we have less meaningful relationships and we have more shallow relationships than we've ever had before. And our culture, in its own way, leads us to the shallow end of the pool, not the deep end of the pool when it comes to relationships. Because the deep end of the pool is a little bit scary. To live your life depending on other people so that you can make it. And yet, for those that are followers of Jesus, this was the very thing that Christ invited us into. He said, we're going to do life totally differently as a community of believers. And in fact, there were challenges all throughout Scripture, and there's this theme that runs all throughout it. But I love the Scripture in Hebrews 10.24 that really talks about this idea of connectedness and joining together in relationships. And the writer says this, and let us consider. Everybody say consider. So today I'm going to say to all of us, let us consider the exact same things that have been written about for thousands of years. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Right? How do we do that? How do we spur one another on in love, in relationship, in care? How do we spur one another on in good deeds? Well, he begins to tell us. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day that Christ will return. He says, listen, even until that day, more and more and more, I want you to be in the habit of doing life with other people. Because even in the first century, there were people that got in the habit of isolation, that got in the habit of moving away from relationships. Right? And our Heavenly Father says, no, no, no. You were meant for one another. And I know some people say, well, I'm married. That's, you know, all I need. No, no, no. You were, you were made for more relationships than even just that. We've been called in these relationships to encourage one another, to love and care for one another. And he says, I want you to make the habit of doing it. Make it the habit in your life of getting together. And here's why this habit is so important, and you already know this, but it's a good reminder, your next fill-in, that life can be hard, but life is harder alone. Life can be hard, but life is harder alone. And from my vantage point, in doing this now almost 20 years, I have seen thousands of people hit difficult and hard times and there is something universal across the board, and here's what I've noticed, and I think that you would believe that this is true, that those that have isolated themselves have a much harder time navigating and recovering from painful moments in life. Those that have isolated themselves takes them much longer. In fact, some people never get through some of their pain and difficulty simply because they've isolated themselves and they're doing life alone. They don't have a community of people around them. They don't have the friendships around them to support them, to lift them up, to care for them. That is so badly needed for every single one of us. But here's what else I've noticed, and it's your next villain, that those who have close and transparent relationships navigate life's challenges easier and recover quicker than those who don't, right? Those that are, have close and transparent relationships. Those people, and I've seen it, I've seen it many, 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 hundreds of times. I've seen people that have gone through difficult things, and yet they have a group of people around them. And to watch those people rally around them, to watch those people support and love and care for them, it's amazing 
how those people walk through some of the most difficulty and challenging things in their life, and yet it doesn't destroy them and it doesn't set them back. How is that possible? Well, it's because of this idea of small groups and doing relationship with other people. And developing close relationships through small groups is an important part of preparing for life's challenges. Because if you'd say, hey, this morning I've never gone through anything hard or anything difficult, my recommendation to you would just be to buckle up and give it a couple months because it's a coming, right? All of us have faced difficult things. All of us have walked through times in our life that maybe we wish someone was there to encourage and support us. And this is about intentionally putting yourself with a group of people who meet regularly and share the journey of life together and how their relationship with Jesus impacts that journey. And if you go back to the first century, right, when, when this was being written, they didn't have churches like this. There weren't buildings like of this size, right, where people gathered together. Now they had the temple where they would meet. But the churches actually met in homes. And this is where the very first small groups ever took place. And we read about this model of small groups in Acts chapter 2, and Paul writes about it this way. He says, they, being the followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, what's that word? Fellowship. That devoted, that, that's a big word right there. They devoted themselves to not just the apostles' teaching, which is what we're doing on Sunday mornings, right? We're devoting ourselves to showing up, and this is our worship and learning environment. But they also devoted themselves to fellowship. And what does that look like? It says, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They ate meals together. They hung out. They did life together. And they prayed for one another. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It means they took care of one another when someone was struggling. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Then they broke bread. Where? In their homes. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This was a part of their life. This was something that they decided they were going to be devoted to. This was something so important in their relationship with God was how their relationship with others unfolded. And because of these smaller gatherings, everyone knew everyone, and it became a tough place to hide. And if we're honest, I think that is why we have so few close relationships and why many that we do have are shallow at best. Because our culture has taught us to hide. That if you have brokenness in your life, like we liked you up until that point, but now that we know you have some brokenness and messiness, yeah, yeah we want to find some new friends that, you know, aren't quite as messy. That's just what our culture tells us. So what we do is we shove everything down and we don't reveal anything. We don't talk about our brokenness. We don't talk about our messiness. And yet the reality is, is if you find yourself broken and messy, guess what? You're normal. Welcome to the human race. There's none of us that have it figured out, including this guy standing up here. And that's why I say when you walk into this place, this is a place for no perfect people. They're allowed. Nobody perfect can attend here because why? No perfect people even exist. We're all broken, and yet culture said you need to hide those things. You need, to, you need to pretend that just everything in your life is great. But you know as well as I do that as soon as pretending starts and you begin to shove all those things deep, wow, those issues just get worse and worse, don't they? You never find the help and the healing that you need to even navigate some of those life's challenges. 
And that's why small groups are so important. Because in today's culture, the closest thing that we have to that house church that was described in Acts 2 that we just read about is a small group. It's people intentionally devoting themselves to doing life with other people where it becomes possible again for everybody to know each other very well and it becomes a difficult place to hide. Because if you want to have success in life, you need to find a place that you don't have to hide. If you want to have success in your relationships, if you want to have success in your relationship with God, you need to find a place where you don't have to hide. And that's why I think it's so silly when people leave church, they leave a church for a lack of relationships when they've done nothing intentional to build them. People say, well, I went to that church for a couple months and I just didn't make really any friends and so I just need to go find a new church. And I would just ask, well, then what did you do to build relationships? How were you intentional? Because if if you don't know this already, I'm going to cue you in to a universal principle no matter what church you go to. It is impossible to make your closest friends on Sunday mornings at any church. You know why? Because these are designed to be a worship and learning environment. This is not designed to be relationship building. If it was relationship building, you would all be facing each other right now and we'd be having discussions. That's why you're sitting in rows and you're all looking up here and I'm talking to you and you're not even talking back and that's rude. I mean, you're not even saying anything to me and I'm doing all the talking. I'm carrying this whole deal for us, but, right? (laughs) We get together and this is what we do. We worship together as the body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. But that's why we say that circles are better than rows. That if you had to choose between getting in a small group and choosing to come to a Sunday morning service, we would tell you to get into a small group. Because the life is found in relationships. The growth is found in relationships. And if you're looking for relationships, it's not going to come through sitting in a row, and it doesn't matter what church you are attending on Sunday morning. It is going to come through you intentionally, like the disciples did, and like the early Christians did, devoted themselves to fellowship, devoted themselves to breaking bread, devoted themselves to getting to know other people. You see, small groups, your next fill-in, are where you build connection and get encouraged in your faith. It's where you build this connection and where you get encouraged because the primary function of small groups is to build this connectedness in the body of Christ this connectedness and this encouragement and to get the information you need when you hit the challenges of life. And so you might ask about small groups, which by the way, small groups kick off today, right? I mean, what are the odds that we'd be talking about this this morning? Uh, Small groups, our next semester kicks off today. But in small groups, you might ask, you know, well, am I gonna grow spiritually? Yes, you probably will grow spiritually. Will I make my new best friends there? Maybe not, but you'll make some friends. Uh, Will I become a Bible scholar? Probably not. Uh, Will I be connected in a way that I've never been connected before to the local church? Absolutely. And you know what else is so interesting about small groups? Is that when you show up, Jesus shows up in a way there that he doesn't anywhere else. And it's so fascinating because Jesus gives us this clue about doing life together. In fact, Jesus had his own small group. Remember the 12 disciples, right? He did life with them. And Jesus said something so impactful that I think sometimes we miss it but it speaks directly about doing relationships with one another. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said this, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Where two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11 or 12 get together 
and they get together in my name to learn and to grow and encourage each other and care for one another, there I am. I'm actually in the midst of that. And not that he's not with us when we're apart from those people because he's with us all the time, but he's saying, I am there in a different way. It is a different level of spiritual gathering when people decide that they are going to get together and do life together. I think it's so, so important. This idea of spiritual engagement. Now, why would this matter to Jesus? Why in the world would Jesus want you to take time out of your busy schedule? And believe me, I know you're all busy. Nobody has time for small groups. Nobody has time for relationships, right? Come on. Why would Jesus want you to be intentional about being together? Because throughout the New Testament, you read about how those that are followers of Jesus, they actually belong to the body of Christ. The body of Christ. It says that some are a leg, some are a nose, some are an ear, some are a hand, some are a foot. And by themselves, can't do very much. But together, when all of us come together, we create the body and it's so impactful and we can make a difference in other ways that we could never could by ourselves. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen a severed body part? Anybody ever seen one? You ever seen a severed leg? Ever seen a severed arm? Here, let me show you a few pictures real quick. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not showing you any pictures. <laughs> but I got some of you for a second. So you're like, I'm not surprised. He's always doing stuff like that. All right. But I mean, that's, that's gross, first of all, right? If you've ever seen a part of the body that's not connected to the body. But you know what else about that body part? It's become useless. If I rip my arm off and I'm holding it, and I'm like, come on, do something, arm. Well, of course, it's not doing anything. Why? Because it's no longer connected to the body. You see your next feeling, the power, the life, and the strength for any limb comes from being connected to the body. We already know this. In fact, it's so simplified in Scripture. In fact, I think this is one of the most simplest principles probably ever found in the Bible because it's like, I just don't want you to miss this. We've really dumbed this down, right, for all of us, you know, that are like, man, I failed math in high school and college. Anybody else fail math, right? I need stuff, stuff simple sometimes. And the Bible comes in and says, here you go. Here it is. This is what it means to be connected to the body because it's the exact same way in your spiritual life that if you are disconnected from the body of believers, if you are severed from the rest of the body, you will be at best ineffective and at worst, you will die spiritually. And I have watched hundreds and hundreds of people walk away and get disconnected from church and I've watched them die spiritually and then in the future, they make some of the greatest regrets. They make some of the worst decisions of their entire life. And some find their way back, some haven't. And a lot of it is because they just weren't intentional to stay connected to the body. Because when you're connected to the body, that's where the life, the power, and the strength comes from. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul describes this body to us. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every joint, which is all of us, with which it is equipped, all of our talents, our gifts, our abilities, and when each part is working properly, makes the body, what's that word? Grow. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
He says, I want to understand it because I'm, I'm inviting you into this way of living that is totally opposite of isolation. It brings you into this place of relationship that's so important because your next fill in the unconnected Christian has no one to lean on or turn to when life's difficulties hit. The unconnected believer, the unconnected person has no one to lean on or turn to. There's no one to give you a hug and encouragement and cry with you when you're going through that difficult thing or give you godly advice or sound counsel as you're walking through the difficultest, most difficult time of your life. Or maybe it's somebody that needs to give you a swift kick in the pants when you need one and say, no, 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 we're not going that direction. We're going this direction. Come on. Right? Both of those things are helpful, which we all need from time to time. The other great thing that small groups do, your next feeling, is that they provide peer pressure to grow spiritually like nothing else can. Small group provides peer pressure to grow spiritually, to make better decisions, to have better relationships. And here's why I know this peer pressure works. Because some of you dressed like this when you were little. Remember that? Remember that? Any of you a bugle boy, bugle girl? I mean, check out those jeans. Those are fly, are they not? Those need to make a serious comeback. Or some of you dress like this. You were like, oh, we want to be like Blossom. Anybody ever wear the hat back in the day? How many of you? Come on, women. How many of you? Men? Any? Okay, never mind. All right, next one. All right, some of you are like, boy band style, baby. Yeah, we're going to make this happen. Next. All right. Oh, yeah. Remember the overalls? Some of you start wearing them because you're like, these are cool now. I'm going to wear overalls. Let me tell you something. Overalls were never cool. They were never cool. Haven't been, won't be, right? But not only did you wear overalls, but you undid one, and you just kept one, right? Because you want to be like Fresh Prince. Here we go, next one. How many of you had one of those? How many of you had the fanny pack? Once again, let me help you. They were never cool. They never will be, all right? But we wore them, especially if there was Ninja Turtles on them. Of course we did. How about LA Gear shoes? Remember that? LA Gear. This last one, right? This is kind of the crazy, you know, anything bright, colors, weird patterns. We, we did this in the 80s and 90s, right? This is how some of us dressed. And you know what I know about you? No, none of you dressed like that because the style impressed you. Because in and of itself, if you just saw that laying there, you'd be like, eh, no thanks. You know what you were impressed with? You were impressed with who was wearing it. And because who was wearing it, it was like, oh, I should wear it. Look at I look cool. And guess what? Believe it or not, that peer pressure doesn't fade as quickly as we think. And we all have this built-in urge to conform and be, a, be like those around us to a certain degree, and that isn't all bad. We just have to make sure then that we're conforming to the people we want to become like. Because we, we know, come on, we know this, that over time, you begin to live, act, and think like those you spend the most time with. And so as you look at your life and you say, who do I spend the most time with? Are these the people that I want investing in my life? Are these the people that I want encouraging me in my life? Who am I spending time with? Who's speaking into my life? Who has influence into my life? And so the very last question, the last feeling is this. Am I currently surrounding myself with people I admire or want to be like? Am I currently surrounding myself with people I admire or want to be like? And if the answer is no, we can help you change that. And we have this vehicle called small groups. 
that will help you be around people that are going the same faith direction that you are. And not only going in the same faith direction, but it will help you go there further, faster than you ever have before. And this is modeled all throughout Scripture. Look at this, Ephesians 3.17. Paul writes this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, here's the key, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What is Paul saying? He's saying, do it together grasp it together get rooted in Christ together get established in love together get the fullness of God together you were created to do life with other people and I know the pushback but Ryan I'm busy we're all busy it's 2018 technology has made us the busiest generation that has ever lived but you know what the truth of the matter is? Is that you have the same 24 hours in your day that, that I do in mine. You have the same seven days in your week that I do in mine. And every single one of us will control our calendar or our calendar will control us. And so we just have to decide what's going to be the things that are going to be life-giving to us. What is going to be the thing that's going to help us grow in our walk with Christ? I can promise you it won't be one more sporting event. I can promise you it won't be one extra hour of overtime at work. It won't be one more piece of your hobby. But rather, like the early Christians that said, they were devoted to doing life together. And they were busy too. In fact, maybe in in some ways they were more busy because their daily chores and activities meant their survival. But yet they still said, you know what? We're going to be intentional to do life with other people so that we can be connected to the body. So I want to challenge you to get connected. You're not too busy for small groups. You just have to be intentional. To tweak your calendar and to change that and move this around because we're going to be intentional to do life with other people. That's how we stay connected. That's how we stay growing. And even if you're new to Riverway, Jump in. Jump into a group. And so inside of your bulletins, you have a small group card that looks just like this. And on the back, list all the groups. We have over 20 groups to choose from on every night of the week, every day of the week, in all different stages of life. There's no excuse not to be connected and not be involved. And so I want to challenge you today to fill out this card, to drop it in the bucket, or to bring this card and go to the small group table where Jeremiah will be after service and he can answer any questions you have about small groups. If you want to grab our catalog, it's out there at the small group table as well. But just as a side, I'm going to begin to do life with other people. And is it a little bit nerve-wracking to show up for the first time? Absolutely. Does it feel a little bit weird? It does until you find out that they're as weird as you are. (laughs) Hey, we're all getting along, right? But to do this, do this thing called life. And I just wanted to read these couple testimonies from small groups people that have been a part of it. This person said, we, we get together because life is tough in this world and we need new friends. It is not always convenient for us to meet every week, but we do it. We get together, talk a bit about God or study the Bible, and we share what's going on at work and in our family. 
I'm not sure that we're that close yet, but it is good to have a place where we can share a little bit about what's going on in our lives. Being in my small group has improved my life. This other person said this, this group has become a priority to us. We've adjusted our schedules to meet together at least every other week, but try to meet weekly. And when we meet, we talk about the message from church. We truly enjoy each other's presence and we put a high priority on the group and the group members. We even do something social once a month. We rise to the occasion when someone has a need and there is a sense that we are friends. It's powerful and life-changing if you'll be intentional to do it. So I want to encourage you to stop living your life isolated. Make the intentional decision to do life with other people. And yes, it might be a big step and you might have to change some things, rearrange your schedule, but I promise you it will be worth it. You'll never regret taking that step to do life with other people. So can I pray together? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're inviting us into this space relationally where we don't need to hide and we can just do life together. Or we can know other people and we can be known. And I know the pressure is to isolate and to push back, but God, would you help us for those that are followers of you to rise to the challenge and example you've given us again and again and again in the word to connect with one another and to form relationships with those that are going towards you. So would you help us, give us the courage to do that, to step into that. Give us the courage, God, to rearrange whatever we need to, to make time for this because we know how important it is to stay connected to the life of the body. And so we thank you for the people that choose to do life here. And now may we grow more than we ever have before. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.